This podcast is brought to you by Online Retailer, Australia's leading retail tech conference, expo and networking organisation. Recorded at the Online Retailer Conference in 2017, here we chat with world-class digital leaders to bring you industry insights, practical examples and actionable ideas from our incredible community of retail renegades, marketing masters and creative entrepreneurs who all want to do retail business big. We want to extend the conversation after the event and to keep exploring where the future meets retail. So let's talk shop. Welcome to this episode of the Online Retailer Podcast. I'm Kylie Lewis, and today I'm speaking with Wayne Baskin from Booktopia. Welcome, Wayne. Well, thank you. Now, we're going to be talking about optimizing the checkout experience um, from your experiences that you've had with Booktopia. But before we get into that, could you give us a little bit of a background as to what Booktopia is, just in case people don't know what Booktopia does and what your role is there? Yeah, sure. So Booktopia is an online bookstore. Um, we're Australia's largest online bookstore at the moment. Um, we started in 2004, so 13 years ago, in 60 square metres of office on $10 a day, a budget of $10 a day. Um, took three days to sell our first book, and back then we sold just books. Um, since then, 13 years later, we're in 13,000 square metres of distribution centre. We sell a product about every six seconds. We sell books, ebooks, audiobooks, DVDs, magazines, um, and we've won a number of awards, some of them. BRW Fast 100 six years in a row, um, and we've also recently won the best mobile commerce site at the Orias last year, so that's who we are. And what I do, I'm the Deputy CEO and CTO at Booktopia, so I look after all technology, um, the website, all the products that, we, that we're building, um, as well as Deputy CEO, so I look after all the strategy for the business. Fantastic. And what were you doing before Booktopia? Uh, before Booktopia, I was at GE Commercial Finance. Um, I was a software engineer there. And working by myself on on smaller projects um, that they didn't outsource, so that was that was an interesting role. So the business has been going on for thirteen years. Yep. You've been there for nine. Correct. Yeah. What has been some of the biggest changes you've seen happen in that time? Well, um, the business has totally changed. The business has grown. Um, back then, I think we were around thirteen employees. Um, today, we're closer to one hundred and fifty. Um, we were doing very. We weren't holding much stock back there, so we would. Customers would buy a product from us, and it would be a lead time of anywhere from 10 to you know 14 days, even up to you know 20 days before they'd get their product. Today we stock over 130,000 titles, and we ship the book same day to customers. So um, you order it today, we'll ship it out today, and hopefully yeah you'll have it tomorrow. So those are some of the big changes. But you know we've become experts in our domain. We've always been great technologists. We've now become experts in logistics. And we've got a great team of book experts that we've brought on board in that time who obviously make, you know, put the book in Booktopia. Um, the customer, we put the customer first always. Back then it was a bit harder to put the customer first. You know, you 20, 20 days delivery time and you had one customer service person answering all the phone calls. Today we've got a team, you know, of around 20 um, answering phone calls, online chat and speaking to the customers and, you know, socials come along. So we've got a big social presence. Um, countless changes you know it's a big it's a lot of time but yeah it's all been fun and all been a great journey so you mentioned that you that the business has won the fast growth award six years in a row yep how do how do how do you manage that yeah so we've grown 30 percent year on year for the last 12 years or 13 years and um, so with the last six years we've been in the brw fast 100 so you know the only time a company's ever done that um how do we do it um 
we just always focus on what the customer wants and where we can you know make more sales it's not about just pushing sales out the door and upsetting the customer because then those customers aren't going to come back so you can only grow if your customers return to you but then also if you acquire more customers by word of mouth so our biggest marketing channel has actually been uh, speed speed of delivery so when someone gets their book the next day or two days later they tell a friend they had this amazing experience with booktopia you've got to try booktopia so that's been one of our you know our key marketing expenses is actually our logistics you know how quickly we are able to pick pack and ship our books out to our customer do you have anything once the customer receives it to encourage that um, referral yeah so we we send um, we ask all our customers to review the product they've they've received we also uh, we ask them to review the service they've they've received and to go re- uh, review it on a third-party site like your Facebook um, you know product reviews or any of the others that, that are out there we want to hear from our customers we want to hear if we did good or if we did bad um, and more recently we started up an MPS survey where we'll ask our customers how likely they are to recommend us to their friends but we you know, we have no referral programs in place at the moment but you know it's something we're, look, we're working on at the moment and so when you say you ask your customers is that through follow-up emails or is it something actually delivered with the book yeah so it's through follow-up emails we wait we give our customers you know a week before they get there to make sure that they've got their products and they're happy with everything and then we give them two to three weeks to actually read the product and then give us a review about the product there's no point in sending someone a you know for asking for a review when they haven't received the product or when they've just received the product because they actually haven't experienced the product yet so it's it's that delayed time and is there any incentive for them to do that um, no, we just find people are, are happy to talk about good service when prompted. Um, we find customers will always tell their friends about bad service, but if you just prompt someone to, to, to just to give you a service review and if they've had a good experience, they will go and do it, but it's not someone, something someone will do on their own. Um, if someone has a bad you know, bad service, the first thing they'll do is they'll want to tell everyone in the world about their bad service. So it's just you know, encouraging the customer to, to do it in a, in a good way. Terrific. Now, we're a bit ahead of the game here because what we're really wanting to talk about is optimising the checkout experience, specifically around minimising cart abandonment. Um, So you're going to be talking about that here at the conference. What are some of the insights that you are going to be sharing? Sure, yeah. So I think we've got to look about, you know, what state of mind the shoppers in when they come into the checkout, you know, when come to your shopping cart or come to the checkout experience. And there's, you know, there's this concept called the reptilian brain. And the reptilian brain is, you know, it's our primitive instinctive brain. Um, It's the most powerful of our coping functions. And what that means is that um, there's a response called the fight or flight response, which is when we get into a situation we feel uncomfortable with or when we have, you know, fear over something, the body wants to do one of two things. We either want to run away, flight, or we want to fight. We want to stay and fight for it. And and there's been a lot of studies done that the checkout is, is no different. When people come to an unfamiliar checkout or to a checkout for the first time, they're in that fight or flight mode. The reptilian brain takes over. There's been some studies that look at that at the user's nostrils are flaring. Um, they've got their feet are in a position to fight or to to run away, which is quite interesting. We laugh about it, but then you, you think about your own your own body and how you feel when you're coming, you know, to check out on an unfamiliar site or on a you know an experience you haven't you know done before. And so what I, run, what I run everyone through here is that, you know, there's no point in using these big one-page checkouts with all the fields there and you come and you look and there's 24 to 30 fields and I'm not saying 24 to 30 fields is too many. We ask, you know, at the most for 24 fields to be filled out, um, but it's the way you ask for that information. It's the way you step the customer through the process to, to get that information. So it's all about, you know, alle- alleviating their fears, 
taking away that apprehension, building trust with the customer, letting them know that you're reputable, letting them know that there's contact channels if they want to contact, reach out to you, and then step them through the process in small bite-sized pieces until you know you get to the end and they they don't feel like they've just you know run a marathon they feel like it was nice and easy and they just did you know three or four steps to get there so in your experience that one that one page checkout which is you know been the rage for a couple of years now is that are you turning that on its head and saying that's not necessarily the best way to do it look i i'm a big fan for for turning a lot of things on their head and i you know in my in my presentation, I do talk about a few things that a lot of people say you must do and we've tested and we find the opposite. So it's what works for your customer, what works for me and what works for the people that I speak to. Um, but our customer is saying to us, I don't want to be faced and you know, think about it yourself. You don't want to be faced with 24 fields to fill out. You look at it and go, this is going to be a mammoth task. But if you give them those small bite-sized pieces, please fill in your, your shipping address. Is your shipping address the same as your, your, is your billing address the same as your shipping address? and then take them to the next step. How would you like that delivered? And then the next step with the payment information, it feels a lot smoother. The person has invested the time in the steps that when they get to that last page, they feel that, well, I've done it already. I'm not gonna abandon now. Whereas the customers we speak to look at the one page checkout, they just see all these fields in front of them. They have what I like to call field shock. They're like, wow, that's a lot of effort. I don't have the time now, or I don't feel like doing it now. They abandon and maybe forget about it and never come back. So do you have like a cascading or, a, you know, like a revealing process? Yeah, sure. So we've got a we've got a three or a four step process. So you go through step by step and it's screen by screen. It's not, you don't you know, it's not going down the page. It's going onto new pages. And we do indicate to the customer which step they're up to. You know, a customer likes to know where they are in the journey. But we, so we have, I believe it's up to 24 fields. If a customer really wants to give us all their information and wants to have a different shipping to a different billing address, they want to tell the, you know, tell Australia Post where to put the parcel, there's up to 24 inputs they can give us. On your, on your return, if it's the same shipping address and if you've saved your credit card with us, it's a three-step process, three-click process. So we really do take it from that 24 fields to three steps. And it actually could be two and our customer service actually came to us and said, it's too quick people are using old addresses they don't want to use anymore. So now we want people to actually confirm that's the correct address. So it's actually funny that in that, just for the customer service, we've actually introduced those extra steps so that you know the customer has a great experience along the way. So how did you test this? Um, so we use Optimizely, which is an A-B testing tool. Um, we test a lot, you know, just about everything on our site we, we test. You know, Should that live chat button be on the checkout or not be on the checkout? Should you have a, a secure padlock at the bottom or not? Where should the awards sit? How big should the footer be? All throughout the checkout process, you know, what distractions can you remove? So we use Optimizely and then you serve the customers. 50% of the customers will see one version, 50% of the customers will see another version. And from there, then you um, you get a winner based on you know increased conversion rate or increased click rate, depending on what you're actually trying to measure. Mm. So in terms of optimizing that experience, one of the things was um, field shock, as yep. you described. Yep. Um, the security component of the site, so yep. having clearly displayed badges or you know um, trust icons. Yeah. Trust icons. Yep. What else? Um, removing distractions. So. Um, it's all about what we do um, is we take away the, the top navigation when you're going through the checkout. Now, we don't take away the whole header. There's a lot of sites out there that'll take away the whole the whole header and it will just feel like a different site. It actually feels like to the customer who's in this fight or flight mode, 
hold on, I've just been locked in here. It's like throwing you in a room and, and locking the door versus putting, you know, it's a panic putting room. someone into a room and saying, but you can leave if you want. You know, there's a big difference in the psyche there. Yeah. So we remove the distractions to a point where it still feels familiar. We still have the same header, but there's no longer those distractions. So actually I should buy another kid's book or actually I should buy another fiction book. We've got you this far. We've got you to the checkout. We want you to check out, you know, if you want to add something to your cart more great, but we're not going to try and encourage it right now. Right now, it's all about that conversion. Um, one of the other things that, that we do is reduce field shock, but we also talk about information timing. When is the right time to give someone a piece of information? And this is where what I say is probably contrary to a lot of the stuff people hear. You need to be upfront about the shipping cost you know, that you're going to charge your customer, but when is the right time to tell people about that? So we did an A-B test where we showed our customers um, on our mobile site the shipping cost on the shopping cart. And so our, we, our baseline, which currently is, is one, the next step when they click checkout, they get told about the shipping cost. For this test, we showed it to them at the time of looking at their shopping cart. And you know that's what everyone was saying. You need to be upfront about your shipping cost. We found that that decreased our conversion rate by 7%. So a decrease of 7%, just to put that in context, you know, if you're doing about a, you know, if you're doing 100 million, just for the numbers are good, if you're doing 100 million dollars of revenue and you decrease your, your conversion rate by 7%, that's 7 million dollars in lost revenue just by displaying your shipping cost at that step where everyone says you should. We, st- we, we display it one step later and we actually get more conversion from that. So it's all about when do you tell people the right information or when do you, you know, when do you delay it a bit later. It's not about hiding it from them, but it's about the right timing for that information. So what other gems do you have in terms of turning, you know, common convention upside down? Um, look, as far as, you know, the checkout goes, you know, th- those are some of my key points that I'm, that I'm covering today. I-, I do talk about testing and you must test, 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 because what I might be saying may not be right, you know, for other people's businesses. Um, the other one is that you should build a, a business case. So I spoke about some of the numbers before, but what I like to run people through before I even start talking about testing is the, the general business case of why do we do A-B testing? Why do we do user experience? You know, why do we do conversion rate optimization? And I like to say, well, just take a $10 million business. So a business that's turning over $10 million. If you increase your conversion rate by 1%, so that's going from 2% to 2.02%, you're actually going to increase your revenue by $100,000. So then it says, well, if I can just increase my conversion rate by 1%, I'm going to get $100,000 extra revenue. How much can I afford to spend on conversion rate optimization, how much can I afford to spend on my user experience improvement? And that's key, you know, knowing what you can spend, because some people try to do it on a shoestring and other people are trying to you know, change the color of a button, which is not really going to have that much of an impact, but it's costing them a lot of money to test and to do. So it's all about making sure you have the business case. What's been one of the most surprising A-B tests that you've done? So we did a mobile test where um, we showed the category page, and you're going to have to imagine here, a category page you can have two views one is just the covers with a title and the, the cost of the product and the other is the cover but with the title subtitle author cost of the product delivery shipping expectation and a lot more you know so and and all everything you know all the book lovers we spoke to and book people are different to you know to other types of people love the more information view they love to see the more information and everyone we spoke to said yep that's the one to go for so Conventional wisdom will be, well, you know, the 100 people you've spoken to said that's the right one to go to. That's what you should do. But, you know, as we do, we A-B tested and we drive by the data. So we A-B tested it and it was contrary to what we thought. We actually decreased our conversion rate by having the, you know, the additional details, then having the grid view. 
on mobile on mobile sorry so we were shocked we were like you know it's it wasn't cluttered it was quite neat you were seeing the same number of products but it was just there was something not right about the test so we ran the test again and we had the same result you know when we're not sure of ourselves we always rerun our test so we had to think about it. and what what our user experience expert came up with she said well let's just give people the option to switch between the two different views so let's give them the toggle buttons and we reran the same test with the toggle buttons this time the version which had the more information as the default view won so it won the conversion the the, the yeah, conversion rate increase and we, we we then went and looked and said well how many people are actually landing on that and switching back and there weren't a lot but people knowing that they had the option to switch views for whatever reason increased the conversion and we switched to the version we thought was right which all our customers were telling us was right but with a small tweak of giving them the option to to switch back Wow, and did you see like you know a, a sizable kind of increase from your mobile conversions through that? Yeah, I think it was a couple of percentage points. I don't have yeah. the, the data right here in front of me now, but it was you know it was a couple of percentage points increase in conversion. And you know, as I spoke before, even the smallest percentages, you know, have a significant impact on revenue. So what what are you looking to optimize right now? Um, we, we're we're actually busy doing our mobile site again. We won mobile site of the year two thousand and sixteen. We're we're finalist again for two thousand and seventeen. Um, we've we've been focusing in other, in other areas recently. So if we win it, you know, well, we're still good, but we think we can be better. Um, we're always increasing, you know, looking at our checkout process. It's crucial, um, making it quicker, making it less verbose, you know, less less content on it. Um, so we're always looking at that. But our our big one is our mobile our mobile site again. Another review of our mobile site and looking to see what we can do. Um, and and that's just because we've had a, a significant increase in the number of customers as of late coming to us on mobile whereas before it used to be around 20 percent mobile it's more like 40 to 50 percent people are coming to our site now on a mobile device that growth's been what a couple of years yeah in, in the last probably two years we've seen gone from 20 to 40 percent which mm. is you know, significant i think it'll get to about a 50 to 60 percent um, and also time of day is a big impact i'm talking across the, the range of the day but later night you definitely see more mobile and during the day when people are at work you're definitely seeing you know a skew towards pc you mentioned earlier about um, using social as yep. well and the growth of social. How's that impacted your business? It's allowed our book experts to have another voice to the customer. Um, this bombardment with emails, you know, is, it's a hard one and people subscribe to emails, but they subscribe, they want certain types of emails. There's other people who just don't want emails and you actually need to start reaching out to them on social channels. So we're actually starting to push our, you know, our promotions through social channels as opposed to just through through email marketing and we're learning we're learning you know, how much we should be paying for it and who we should be targeting and and what we should be you know what, what the profile of the person is so so that's book influencers that's using influencers it's 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 more just people that like booktopia at the moment we're just looking and and like audiences so this is what a booktopia buyer looks like let's find people that aren't booktopia buyers that fit the same profile we're not really using influencers at the moment a lot of our marketing experts are influencers in themselves they're either leading authors or they've owned a bookshop before or you know they've got a profile for themselves in the industry so we, we do ride the back of that a bit and we haven't actually reached out to you know external influencers right now to to help us along the way what are you most excited about in this industry looking forward um, I'm most excited about logistics um, I think you know servicing the customer you know like they as if they walked into the store um, we've built you know automation in our distribution center and we're continuing to optimize that. We're continuing to invest in our automation and the conveyor belts and the pick systems and the, the devices that the users are using. And But even more so then, how can we you know, get that to the customer as quickly as they want it 
or when they want it. So we're looking not just speed, but if I'm on a, you know, if it's Wednesday today and I know I'll be home on Saturday, why don't I have the option to pick that I'll, you know, I want my, my item to be shipped to me on Saturday between one o'clock and 6 p.m. You know, that's something we're actively working on at the moment. It's giving, you know, certainty to delivery as well as speed of delivery. So that whole logistics piece is really exciting. Um, look, I'm excited by all the technologies that are coming out. I always look at them and a lot of them come out, a lot of them succeed, a lot of them don't. But it's, you know, we're working on a lot of our partnerships now. We want uh, Booktober to become Australia's bookstore, you know, the bookstore that everyone thinks about when they think about, you know, where can I buy books? Um, and the bookstore that everyone, you know, knows about and, you know, grows to love for books. So, you know, whatever we can do to achieve that vision, um, that's what we're trying to do, but putting that customer you know, in the centre of our universe. Now, as the CTO, um, looking after the security of the site comes under un- under your umbrella, are there anything that you anything that you're doing in that area in particular that's helping sort of strengthening the site? Sure. Look, I, I don't talk much about security because you always jinx yourself when you do. Um, you know, there's there's people out there, no matter how big and bold your, your systems are, there's people there trying to trying to get behind the walls. So um, I'm not one to tout our security, but you know, just working with the right partners. Um, you know, we do penetration testing on our site. You know, we, we, we work with the right partners. We have the right things in place. We don't believe we're experts in security, but we do, you know, get the right people in infrastructure, the right people in security to, to advise us and what needs to be done. Um, and that's important, you know, trying to run your own, you know, your own infrastructure. If you don't know everything about it, you, you're going to do something wrong. And that one wrong move can lead to customer details being exposed and that then can have a marketing, you know, you know, impact um, which can then ruin a business so for us it's about working with the right people to be honest i'm no security expert i understand it you know i can i can understand all of that kind of stuff but work with the people who know security and they live and breathe security and i think you'll you'll go a long way get the experts in get the experts in for sure so what what do you wish that you knew nine years ago that you know now well i i wish everyone would put the cust would have put the customer first then and that's one thing i always think about if if we had you know, there was a big, you know, nine years ago, yeah, we, we thought about the customer, but it was not, you know, the customer at all expense. You know, it wasn't, you need to spend money to to make the customer first, which is what we do now. Um, that's, you know, that's where the leaders, you know, are. that's what the leaders are doing. But if you look back, no one was really doing it then. It was all about um, being online and, and, you know, cost of sale and, um, you know, what's your price? You know, how can I be the cheapest? How can I be? It was never about how can I be the quickest or how can I be service my customer the best? And that's grown, grown really well. Um, that's pretty much it. I think everything we did up front is, you know, st- stood us in good stead um, for where we are today and, and into the future. Yeah, and keep those books selling. Yeah, just keeping the books selling and keep keeping, reading. keeping happy customers. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we love happy customers. We love hearing from happy customers. And if we don't have a happy customer, we love to hear from them so we can improve for next time as well. So mm. that's where we're at. Wayne, for people who are more who are interested in finding out more about you and what you do, where can they get more information? Yeah, sure. So I, I do have a blog. Um, I, I do you know promise myself I'm going to blog more all the time. So it's it's blog.wb.com.au spelt d-o-u-b-l-e-y-o-u-b-e-e so spelt out w-b <laughs> i didn't think i'd ever be on a podcast <laughs> having to spell that out but there you go yeah. um and I, I do blog about a lot of this a lot of this stuff there and um, otherwise people can grab me on linkedin always and i'm always happy to have a chat and to you know to help people and to advise and to advise different businesses on in directions that you know, they may want to go. And if they want to buy a book? They want to buy a book, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, booktopia.com.au, of course. Um, yeah, but, you know, come to us, have a look at what we've got. 
Um, we most likely will have what you want in stock because our book experts are you know, on the ball and they know what they're doing. Um, and yeah, I hope you have a good experience. And if you don't, please let us know. And if you do, please let us know as well. We're always happy to hear from customers. Great. Thanks for your time, Wayne. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you've loved what you've heard, make sure you're subscribed at onlineretailer.com.au to be the first to know about Australia's best e-commerce events. Thank you.